Okay, everybody, it's uh, Big Daddy, and we're here with another Big Daddy and Friends. And, you know, the one thing that I always uh, promise and commit to is uh, bringing people on the show that, uh, one, have been in the sand, have been there, have done it, understand it. I, I, I hate when you have people that have never been involved in something give answers and answer questions to something that they've never experienced or done. So what do I go out and do? I go out and get NFL executives like our next guest, uh, Rick Mueller. Welcome to Big Daddy and Friends. Good to be here, Big Daddy. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, so let me tell you, uh, we'll, we're going to get into a couple of things and and, uh, and something that I didn't even know, and I had to obviously uh, learn and study about you, was that uh, you happen to be a part of this Coastal Carolina um, building. I mean, it was that had to be incredible, incredible feeling for you guys this year. Yeah, it was. It was uh it, it was a team that was built well, built, you know, I, this was my first uh, time dealing in the NCAA and uh, having my most of my background in pro sports. But I went to Coastal Carolina in 2017 with Joe Moglia, who's an interesting story at some point in time, too. But um, guy that made his name in the financial world at TD Ameritrade and then decided at, at an older age that he wanted to get back into football. And, and uh, so I went there with him. I, he was I had a relationship with him from the UF, UFL. Um, but Coastal Carolina is a unique place. Uh, Conway, South Carolina, just north of Myrtle Beach. Um, but the program there, they've done a really good job of, of building that program up and, and doing all the right things. And Jamie Chadwell, the head coach there, did a really good job in putting that team together. And, and they, they've, they've really done a nice job. It's really a hidden gem right now, I think, in college football. Well, you know, I happen to be uh, one of those folks like the rest of America that happen to be watching that BYU game. And, and you know, I'm on the edge of my chair because I'm saying to myself, look, I don't know anyone at BYU and, and you know, I have no ties there or anything. But I'm like, come on, boys, pull this one out. And <laughs> I think that was like really, really your nose guard. The guy and or and actually your center. Your center was what, 5'11", like two, uh, 300-something pounds, and he was blocking guys twice in size. Sam Thompson probably closer to 5'9", 290, but uh, yeah. the center. But, yeah, that you know, the, the system that they run is, uh, is unique enough to where we can get away with a little bit shorter but a little bit more athletic offensive lineman in that scheme, and, and it's really helped us get those kind of players. Um, Sam is a kid that the center – kid that worked his way into a scholarship, obviously wasn't a scholarship player when he first got there, but, but really, uh, you know, did a nice job and really filled in well. I mean, that was just, uh, like I said, I remember that game like yesterday and uh, like when I was doing my homework and reading your, no, your tie into the whole thing. And I'm like, wow, man, uh, 11 and one. And you guys got to a bowl game. I mean, that, that uh, exposure had to be incredible for the program. Oh, yeah, it's huge for the program. I mean, like I said, it's been an up-and-coming program for the last three or four years, but really to get to that next level, get to a bowl game for the first time, you know, win the conference championship for the first time is, is a big step for them and, and kind of puts them on the map, like I said. So uh, you're from Spokane, Washington, right? Well, I'm from St. Mary's, Idaho, is where, it, but it's close to Spokane, probably 50 miles from Spokane. Gotcha. I've been there, so I, I've, been, I've, had the, I've had the good fortune of being there twice, uh, one of my friends lived up there, and uh, and then it was funny. We took um, 
a limousine, and you're going to think this is crazy, but we took a limousine from Spokane up to Vancouver. And what we were doing was we were bringing the Stanley Cup to Vancouver. Oh, wow. You know, my, my yeah, it was a long ride, great trip. And, uh, you know, my other job, my other business is I'm in the insurance business. So I work with mm-hmm. a lot of pro athletes and whatnot. And I have a lot of hockey guys. So I traveled. I was actually up there for about almost eight or nine days because most of the guys live up. A lot of the hockey players live up in that northwest area. So the cup was making three stops. And I happened to be with the cup. It was something that uh, I have to, when I write a book, it'll be, <laughs> it'll, it'll be a chapter in that, uh, in that book. You know? I can only imagine those are pretty unique and uh, special stops along the way there. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and to see that thing the way it's uh, you know it's it's a it's a gold gem if you want to say and everyone handles it gently and everybody wants to touch it, look at it, feel, drink out of it, and everything else. <laughs> but anyway, so you uh, so tell a little tell us a little bit about how you got started in the football. You know, well, I tell you what, Big Daddy, I, I played it all you know since I could walk, but um, but really. Uh, when I was in high school, I have an bro- older brother, Randy, who you're probably yeah. familiar with. It's uh, seven years older than I am. And uh, he started with the Seattle Seahawks as a ball boy when he was in high school, mm-hmm. worked his way up and through college. And once he got out of college, they hired him in the pro scouting department. Um, so when I got to high school, I did the same thing. I worked at the Seahawks training camp uh, every summer. Um, I went to college at University of Puget Sound, which is a small NAI school just outside of Seattle. So in the summers I would stay and take summer school and I would work at the, in the maintenance shack, mowing the grass, going to the airport, picking people up, whatever. And then when training camp started, I, I did training camp assistant stuff with them. And I was able to do that and work with the Seahawks, even in preparation for the draft, even when I was in college, because I was so close. And, and that really got me into it, really got me started. And, you know, obviously I played, played football in college and then I went on to be a graduate assistant in Washington state and, and coached there for two years. Um, before really but i've been in football my whole life so yeah well you went from the uh playing field to the executive field <laughs> you transitioned from sweats to a, a college shirt you know yeah, I knew pretty early on that i wasn't going to be playing much more I, not not much market out there for a 511 185 pound option quarterback <laughs> uh, area, area, and you know it's kind of funny. It's that's the way everyone asks me how I got started, and you know I uh, I had guys that when I was in ninth, tenth grade, you know used to work at the Jets, and they were equipment managers and all that. And I, you know, packed socks, I picked up jocks, I carried helmets, and you know all those things. And 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 all in all that time period. I was always like kind of taking mental notes and, and that's what actually got me into college too, because I kept saying, you know, when you go to a school, I went to a, a small school, but it was very, very prominent in football and every division one school pretty much on the East coast would go through there. And we had guys that, uh, you know, went on and I used to say to myself, man, uh, I wish that was me, you know, like I would love for that coach to be coming and asking, hey, where's Rich Salgado? I want to talk to him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then being around the NFL guys was like really what put the juices in my system saying, okay, I would love to do this. I don't know what level I can get to, but I'm, I'm really going to give it my best shot. And, you know, I ended up going to football camps and, 
And then I went to uh, postgraduate to get my grades up so that I could put myself in a position to go and, you know, get a scholarship and whatnot and play at the next level. Um, but, uh, you know, it's those things I always tell people there's, there's always a sign. There's always a positive sign that kind of, for me, I always say it wakes you up and gets your ass out of the closet because you're sitting in there, you're trying to figure out, hey, am I the, you know, I used to say, am I the class clown or what am I? What am I doing here? Because mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I could be successful if I'm going the way I'm going. So let me go and find some way, some somehow or somebody to help me. And those are the things that really kind of helped me, uh, you know, progress and, and, and get me where I needed to get to, you know. So um, anyway, so you you uh, you were part of this new uh, UFL, right? I was, yes. And, that, and, uh, and I knew some, you know, obviously uh, I'm very good friends with Daryl Johnson. And, oh, yeah. and we were talking about how at first when he said to me, he goes, man, he goes, you know, I want to be a GM. And I was like, really? I go, well, you got the job, of, you know, you got the greatest job in the world. You get to see football, <laughs> you know, once a week or twice, depending on what your schedule is. He's like, yeah, but he goes, you know what? I, I'm, this is where I, I'm really, really, I want to look at this. So, and then, he, you know, and then I knew it was serious because he started sitting down with GMs, like in the off season, going to visit with them and, you know, get a, get their points of view and, and get into knowing scouting and all these things. And then one day, boom, hey, I'm going to be a GM. <laughs> yeah. You're not kidding, man. <laughs> no, that was uh, – the UFL was a unique experience. But I tell you what, we we – you know, these other leagues, these other, you know, say developmental type of leagues are so difficult to uh, sustain um, – but we went into it. The first year of the league, we had four teams. Uh, Dennis Green was the coach. Uh, Jim Haslett was a coach. Um, uh, let's see who else was coaching in that league. Oh, Ted Cottrell was a coach. And, and then my role was to be the GM of all four teams. Big Daddy, if you can imagine yeah, that. I saw that. You were really, you were <laughs> <laughs> I always joke I, it's a difficult job because I could never get above 500. I won every game and lost every game in the same day. But yeah. But uh, we did everything from that level at the league level. And so, you know, my, I was just a sounding board for those guys and, and helped them in terms of putting their teams together. But and then after the first year, that's when I we kind of gave the, the the authority back to the teams. And I went to Omaha and ran the Omaha team. And, and that's where I met uh, Joe Mowgli, who I spoke about earlier. Got it. Got it. Got it. So I'll tell you what a difference you go from. Uh... You know, you're in the NFL, you're in or in the pro league game, and now you're in college. So let's go back a little bit. Let's go back towards uh, Coastal Carolina. What uh, what are you actually doing there in regards to being player uh, executive or uh, uh, as I wrote, executive director? You know, let the let the fans in in on that. Well, it's all recruiting for the most part. I mean, and and I and I, I just recently left Coastal Carolina prior to this season, but when I was there. Yeah. That title, I kind of had a lot of hats other than recruiting, but but basically recruiting, organizing the staff, um, making decisions on players, um, putting together summer camps and lists and telling our, giving our coaches and areas to go to and defining those areas for them that we recruit. And But I also had a, a hand in, a, in the academic piece of it too and, and the other side of the school in terms of eligibility and compliance and that type of stuff too. So you got to wear a lot of different hats. People always ask, 
how is the college game that much different from the pro game in terms of personnel? And the difference is not necessarily, you're still watching football, you're still evaluating players, um, which is, is not much different. Um, in terms of organizing the staff, it's very similar to a college staff where in the pros you have a certain area and you're responsible for the players in that area, prospects in that area. We do the same thing with the coaching staff. We divide it up into areas and they're responsible for the prospects in that area. Um, but there's a, there's a little bit bigger piece in the college end on recruiting and on, on actually face-to-face and speaking to parents and getting kids on campus. And, you know, we'll have a home game and we'll have three or 400 prospects there for one game you know, just to see the campus. And we try to get as many eyes on our campus as possible because it was, it is a unique place. It's right by the beach. It's, you know, we got the teal turf and that type of stuff. So um, I would say there's a lot more hands-on in terms of getting to know these kids and their parents and that type of stuff than in the NFL where it's more business and you're basically drafting the player. You get background and you get to know the kid, but you don't get to know as much about them as kind of we do with these high school kids. Yeah, my uh, my brother, uh, my youngest brother Jimmy, he's an assistant coach with the Bills, and uh, yeah. he was at uh, he was at Princeton for quite a bit, and that's the one thing that we always joke around about. I go, boy, you, I know you don't miss those uh, recruiting trips and those recruiting weekends and and all that fun stuff, and and for them, and you know this, well, this uh, what I'm about to say, well enough. Um, there, you have to go and get the kid that can get in, not even the talent level. It doesn't – the guy could be Herschel Walker or Bill Fralick or whatever, but if he can't get in, it doesn't do them any good. So their recruiting was always – you know, my brother's one day he's in San Diego, another day he's in Georgia, he's in Texas. And it's like, you know, each coach has to, you know, recruit and scan pretty much nationally compared to even the D1 schools where – you know, they have their territories and whatnot, and they're going to kind of try to stick in those areas. But with those, with Princeton, man, they were, like, everywhere. I mean, I used to say, my, I, you know, they would go on a Friday and then get back in time for the game on Saturday. No mm-hmm. way. So, I am, you know, I, I totally get that part of uh, what you went through there. So, um but now, uh, let me ask you this: What uh, what are you looking to get into now? What are you doing now, or what's your uh, what do you what are you thinking? I've got a couple of business opportunities that I'm that I'm looking into right now, trying to develop, put together. Um, obviously, you know the draft coming up, so we'll see what happens in terms of the NFL and any kind of movement there. But I wouldn't totally rule that out. It always is something that I like to do and interested in doing. And I came back here. Our house home home is in Jacksonville, Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, right now. And and you know, I had, my daughter's a junior in high school. I'd been when I was a coastal. I, I, my family was here because this is where our kids went to high school and grew up. And, and uh, so I kind of commuted back and forth for three and a half years. And that just got to a point where it was a little bit too much. And I wanted to be here. My daughter plays softball. I wanted to be able to see her play and do those kind of things. So, you know, that's why we're here. And, and this is a great place to live. This is where we want to retire at some point in time. So um, we enjoy that piece of it too. And, and, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking into some things, hopefully something will develop here. Um, talk to a lot of people. Yeah, as you know, it's a relationship-driven business, and and you know, talking to those people, and and we we always come up with new ideas and different things. And so, I, I'm confident that something is going to be coming down the road that's going to be kind of fun and pretty special. Well, um, you know, I was very close with the the last staff that was in Jacksonville. You know, David Caldwell, Doug Marone. I mean, uh, I even knew uh, Coach Coughlin 
from my days at the Giants with him. So, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's sad to see, but unfortunately, you know how that happens. It's uh, not every job lasts forever, especially in pro sports. You know, there's only uh, there's two guys that survive everything. That's uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I think those are the only two <laughs> that do not to seem to be untouchable. You know, they just don't go anywhere. But deservedly so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's uh, you know, look, you have such a great background, and you know, you've been there, done it. I mean, you've been a lot of places where I know you. Uh, I know a lot of those people. So it's yeah. It, it, it's a small world and everyone knows everybody. I mean, for me, it's funny because anywhere I go, if you gave somebody a hundred dollars to tell you to, you know, Hey, what's that guy's real? What's that guy's name? No one says Rich Salgado, even Roger Goodell said, Oh, that's big. Guy. You know? And I'm like, here I am meeting somebody that I don't even know. And I'm like, I can <laughs> my hand out. Oh, Rich Salgado. Come on, big dad. That's what, what is that? I'm like, well, that's the name my mother gave me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. My brother goes on an interview for a job. And he's with the head coach, and uh, when he and he first he calls me at midnight, so I'm like, wow, why is he calling me this late? So uh, he goes on the interview, and he sits down with the head coach, and the first thing the head coach says to him, so uh, tell me about your brother, Big Daddy, you know, and my brother's like kind of like dumbfounded because <laughs> he's nervous. He's meeting somebody for the first time, and he's trying to get a job, and the first thing the guy comes out of is, Tell me about your brother, Big Daddy. And my brother just said, like, he almost fell out of the chair. (laughs) He didn't know how to answer. You know, but then he said, whatever, whatever, and that was it. And to hear that, it's, you know, it's funny. Everybody, Everybody thinks you're this or they know you as this. It's one or the other. And, you know, everything's perception. You know, perception and also, obviously, relationships. Relationships is what drives pretty much everything, you know, because you got to know the person and you got to know what they bring, bring to the table and actually, and what other people, what what other people think about them, you know? So, and, and obviously uh, we were introduced to uh, Matt Kalut and I know Matt a long time and been dealing with him obviously from his NFL PA days and whatnot and all that and his agent stuff. So it's, uh, so it was a welcome and it's a blessing to, uh, you know, have you on here so quickly. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's uh, like I always explain to people, you want to bring people to something like this that know the game and have been in the game and understand it. You know, you and, and even in my business, you have, and I'll probably get shot for saying this, but uh, you get people that try to label something or value something, and they don't understand the game. They no. just don't. They just they're just going by something that they read, and it's even like uh, you know. I, and I've said this a million times. I've even said it on TV. Mel Kiper. Okay, when my roommate in college was Neil O'Donnell. So when Neil was coming out, right, we were, you know, he was checking out all the draft stuff and everything, and we were sitting there, and Mel Kuyper says, uh, Neil O'Donnell, you, 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 you'll be a nice free agent. <laughs> and I'll never forget Neil's face. <laughs> he just went blank. So when Neil got drafted in the third round by the Steelers, I 
I actually thought we were going to drive from College Park, Maryland to Baltimore to find Mel Kuyper. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> but uh, obviously we didn't, but uh, it was kind of funny. But, those, and, you know, those are kind of the examples that I always mention to people. You know what? Unless you've really been in it, if your feet have been in the sand, don't be one to answer something. Because I I, if I don't know something, I won't answer it. Yeah. So... So anyway, here's the fun part, Rick. This is where I now hand the mic over to you, and you get to ask me a question, maybe something that you don't know about me. The only thing that I always tell all the guests, because it's played out and worn out and the producers go crazy, you can't ask me how I got the nickname Big Daddy, because I think the first 20 shows everybody's asked, and they're like, dude, you're killing us with that. I'm like, all right. Uh, well, I'll alert the guest. <laughs> if you don't say that, everyone would probably ask you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had to put a stop to it after a while. It was like I said, twenty people went. They were like, "All right, dude, it's uh, are you getting paid for this or what are you doing?" So uh, I had to cut that question out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it, since we were just talking about this, it kind of leads me into into a question that I that I was going to ask you when talking about Neil O'Donnell going in the third round and Mel Kuyper had him as a good free agent. And when I, when I thought about uh, the question I wanted to ask, there's a, everybody's that happened to Mel Kuyper. That's happened to everybody at some point in time. Cause yeah. you know, it's even though you do everything you do and we, we spend hourless hours evaluating players and finding out information, it's still an inexact science. So some guys end up being better than you thought. Some guys end up being worse than you thought. And my question to you is, I know you've got background with Ralph and you spent a lot of time in the agency business. Is there a player that you you guys came across that whether you represented him or not, that you guys thought, hey, this guy's really going to be a special player and he didn't and you were lucky you didn't get him? Or, or is there a player that you said, this guy's not very good and ended up being one of your better better investments? Wow. That's a, that's a really a thinking, a thinking, <laughs> a thinking cap question. Um, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, here's a better example. I'll, I'll, I'll use this. I don't know why we're getting an echo here, but um, on my insurance side of the platform, there was one player that, uh, and, I'll, and I'll say who it was. It was Roddy White, Okay. I'm fighting with an actuary to get him insurance. I'm like, you know, um, I called three GMs and I asked for their, you know, opinion. And every one of them has them rated high. The insurance people are like, no, we can't. Oh, he's not. He, he's not insurable. I'm like, what do you mean he's not insurable? He's not at the. You know, he wasn't reaching their criteria as far as insurance. So. Uh, I'm like, that's impossible. So I, without naming the GM, I get the GM on the phone. And I'm like, if you don't listen to this guy, then you should just leave the business. Because <laughs> I'm, giving you, I'm not giving you God himself with the Bible, but I'm giving you one of his disciples, <laughs> so to speak. You know, this is what you should. And, and great. Okay, we got it covered. And then, you know, he went in the first round. So I'm like saying to my, I, I called the guy the day of the draft, and I said, I hope you and everyone there is ready to apologize, you know, <laughs> uh, whatever. Then the guy that they were that I called up out of the blue had no history of, found out, yeah, he's so and so, so and so. They were willing to give him twice as much as Roddy White, 
<laughs> he never got drafted. <laughs> so, so go go figure. Tell me what I'm missing or what I'm, you know, where are you getting all this? But I'll tell you, in regards to the uh, the players that uh, you kind of say to yourself, wow, um, you don't know where he's at or where he's going to be. But one of the guys that I always use as an example is Roger Saffold, who's now with the Titans. Mm-hmm. You know, he's out of Indiana. I really didn't know much about him. I, he's been a client from day one, still is. And, you know, he's a guy who went in the second round and became a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, he broke the bank when, you know, he left the Rams and all that and ended up leaving and then coming back. And then now, you know, went on to Tennessee and has had made a great career and made a lot of money. He's one of those guys that I, I, I kind of was like, huh, I don't really, excuse me, I don't really know what to think or what to expect. And, and you know, the agents were very high on him. And they obviously know a little bit more than me, but that's a guy that really went from one level to the next level and exceeded my expectations. How's that's that? Awesome. Yeah. So, awesome. you know, and, 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 and then you get the guys that are first round draft picks that don't uh, amount to anything, unfortunately. Yeah. Without, you know, without naming people, I, you know, I've known over the past 30 years, I've, Met and known a few, and have worked with a few, and you know they're out of football after yeah. after one contract. Not even some of them don't even finish the first contract. So you never know what you're getting. You know, it looks like a, a Mercedes Benz that it doesn't run like one. You know, it's just uh, unfortunate, and that's the risk everyone takes. You know, when you're drafting and signing free agents. Yeah, you're you're just re- really in this business. You're you're narrowing the odds that that's going to happen. You're trying to narrow the odds down that that's not going to happen. And when it's people and human nature you're dealing with, sometimes it happens. But you're really trying to narrow it down to the group of guys that that won't happen to. And and hopefully you do the right things and and do your homework, and it turns out. Yeah, you know it, it's funny. The uh, early agent days when I was bird dogging, you know, I learned from one of the best in Ralph Sindridge. You know, on the football side. And then I had the good fortune on the hockey and baseball side. I worked for Tom Rich. And, you know, they were both Pittsburgh guys, and I was living there, so it kind of made everything great. And I always tell the story about on the football side, here I am, I get two clients that are both unrestricted free agents. Ralph blows it out of the ballpark. And I'm like, wow, this business is great. Making a lot of money. <laughs> then I go two years without getting anybody. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, this business is rough, man. I'm like, I thought this was easy, but uh, you know, then I was like, oh, the insurance things are a little bit better for me and more, uh, more, more stable. I think. What's that? A little bit more stable, probably. I think. Yeah, it, ups and downs. Yeah, it's more steady and. You know what? It's obviously you're op- you open up a huge pool because now you're not working for one person. You're working for everybody, and then it's just a matter of you know getting your name out there and and using all your references and all that. And and that's what I've basically been doing for thirty something years, where I've taken it from from just being a one man show to an operation with offices and 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 then having media access uh, lets you put your name out there and. And, you know, this is like my fun side gig. You know, I got asked to do it. And uh, at first I was uh, a little bit hesitant. But, uh, you know, 
the pretty background behind me, I had nothing to do with. So uh, that was just <laughs> laugh. I'm copying all you guys. I'm like, Somebody did a great job with it. I'm like, wow, look at that. It's got a helmet, it's got a picture. Got <laughs> I could do that. I just have to be, you know, uh, I guess selective and let someone else put it up. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, but hey, I got to say, Rick, it was great to have you on. And, uh, can you uh, let the listeners and viewers know how to find you? Do you have any social media? Do you have any websites? I do. I, uh, on Twitter, it's rmules, at rmules. So it's uh, R-M-U-E-L-S is my Twitter handle. So that's the easiest way to reach out and get a hold of me if you, if you want to do that. That's probably the best. Yeah, all you uh, NFL and, uh, presidents out there looking for help, they better get a hold of you. Because I know there's some <laughs> out there that definitely, definitely could use your help. You know, without <laughs> the finger anybody. I don't want to go to the only <laughs> and get thrown out. <laughs> but, Appreciate uh, that, Big Daddy. No, no worries. And uh, we'll have you back on again. And uh, thank you again for being on. And to everyone at Big Daddy and Friends, make sure you keep your eyes and ears out for Rick Mueller because he's coming back in this game at you sooner than you think so until next time everyone we'll see you soon on big daddy and friends and keep watching and supporting have a great day